0: Our first scripture this morning is from Genesis 2, verses 1 and 3. Genesis 2, verses 1 and 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from the work of creating that he had done. Exodus 20, verses eight through 11. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Matthew 1128 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls." For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: So whether you are a driver or a cyclist, I want to ask you, what does this sign signify to you? Is it up on the screen? Oh, it's not working. Okay, what does a stop sign signify to you when you see it? I know in your head, that means bring your vehicle to a complete stop, right? Right at the line, or at least where the sign is. As much as you like to forget all of your driving test requirements, a full stop actually means wheels complete, come to a complete stop at the line. That means a complete stop is your body presses a little bit against the seat belts as they go across you. Your, your neck braces a little bit as your head, you know, uh, moves forward with the inertia. But I think, in rea- you know, so then after we've come to a complete stop, that's when we let off the brake and you roll forward and you look around the corner and it makes your cars and uh, you can see and you can proceed through the intersection. That's a complete stop. That's what the sign means, right? Now, in reality, I know most of us have never, ever done this, rolling through a stop sign without coming to a complete stop, especially when the intersection is clear, right? Never. We never do that. We all, we'll slow down, but complete stop? Eh, that's not needed. I know this intersection. Clearly there's no cars. Clearly there's no pedestrians. So we just roll a bit past the stop sign and continue on. Plus, you think about it. They put the stop sign in the dumbest places. It's too far back from the street, so you can't actually see on the street, right? So you, that's why it's okay to roll past the stop sign. When we do this, We treat the stop sign as a a suggestion. We make our own determination about what's best based on the situation. Or am I the only one who does treat stop signs like that? I'm actually looking forward to DC changing its laws for cyclists that they don't have to stop at stop signs. We often approach God's invitation to Sabbath like a stop sign. It's just a suggestion. But what does Sabbath actually look like in our day and age? Today, we begin a new message series on the practice of the Sabbath. And we're going to look at, uh, and I think if you're like me, Sabbath sounds like a great idea on paper. But in our modern digital age, always on demand, connected, what does Sabbath look like? So, over the next four weeks, we're going to look at this biblical practice of Sabbath and how it's an invitation for us to stop, to re- rest, to delight and to worship to stop rest the delight and worship and but through the series i want you to approach it not just as information to put into your pocket put into your notes but as an invitation to transformation as god's invitation for you and i to walk and move about in the world in a very different way as followers of jesus who walk in the ways of jesus as a faith community You'll all have the opportunity to develop this practice of sabbath for yourself wherever you are at in your journey with jesus so i don't want to have you to just listen and think which that's great but to get together with others and to consider how you might practice sabbath in new ways if you're in a small group already we've got resources for your group to accompany the series together whether you meet weekly or every other week but if you're not in a small group, well, contact Jess, our Minister for Community Life, and she'll help you get connected to one. Or you can join her, uh, and maybe, if your small group kind of does its own thing, okay, then you can uh, get in touch with Jess, and you can join her during the week over Zoom. So today, we're going to look at the Sabbath as an invitation to stop. Everybody say stop. stop. All right. Stop is more than a suggestion. Stop to reset and stop to remember more than a suggestion stop to reset and stop to remember now the hebrew word for the word sabbath is shabbat and the root form of that verb literally means stop to cease to be done with and the first time it ever shows up in scripture is in exodus 16 when the israelites have just been released from egyptian captivity and they're on this first week of their 40-year journey in the wilderness they don't know it's going to be that long yet they've left everything that they've known they're wandering around the wilderness and they're wondering what are we going to eat and for the first six days god has provided manna from them food for them in the form of this stuff called manna which shows up every morning on the ground they pick it up and they eat it for the day but on the seventh day the lord says do not collect any manna that's you're to stop your work And that because they are to trust what God has provided through the first six days. That's where the word Shabbat first shows up. A couple chapters later in Exodus 20, in what is now known as the Ten Commandments, this practice of stopping to rest from work on the seventh day is codified in the Ten Commandments. Here we find that Sabbath is a commandment, not just a suggestion. It's set between the first three commandments that govern God's people's relationship with God and the last six commandments which govern God's people's relationship with other humans. It's this bridge commandment. And Sabbath, you find, is the longest commandment out of all of the commandments we find in the Ten Commandments. It provides much more detail, much more rationale. If you open your Bibles to Exodus 20, you'll see it takes up a bigger chunk. The commandment to Sabbath is like a bridge commandment. Sabbath is bridges our relationship with God to our relationship with other people. It's, it bridges our work in the world with God's work in the world. Sabbath bridges our work with the work of God in creation by its reference to God's rest on the seventh day in the creation account in Genesis. So why is Sabbath a commandment and not a suggestion? Why, what it happens when we treat it only as a suggestion, kind of like the way we treat stop signs as a suggestion when we drive. You know, not following some other commandments can be pretty consequential. You st- steal or you murder, the consequence is jail time. You go through, uh, you, you covet and lie, then you maybe break up some relationships. You commit adultery, maybe a divorce. But what are the actual consequences of not doing Sabbath? Oh, you get more work done. Oh, you can pay the bills. Oh, you can binge watch Netflix and catch up on all the sports you miss during the week. Oh, you get to take your kids shopping. Is skipping Sabbath really that bad? You know, Jesus, and you may even fix your house and do your yard, and it looks better and you feel better about yourself. So, what's the big deal? Jesus alludes to what Sabbath looks like in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30, which Roz read for us in the NIV. But I want you to listen to it in the message version um, that Eugene Peterson uh, directed. He says this, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You know, Jesus is responding, like uh, in this passage, it can be a response to the question of why Sabbath. Because Sabbath is an antidote to exhaustion. Sabbath teaches us to walk in Jesus' unforced rhythms of grace. And when he says these words to his immediate hearers, he's inviting them to consider uh, who feel the oppression of the legalism of the Pharisees. They were teaching, they were the teachers of the law at the time, and they were teaching an overbearing way of obeying God that involved a whole bunch of rules that needed to be followed but were almost impossible to follow. But Jesus invites a different kind of rest from striving. It's a rest from striving that results in trusting in him and walking with him. Now, in our modern day, perhaps we're not oppressed by the legalism of religion so much as we are oppressed by the legalism of productivity. We're tired, and low-grade exhaustion is the new normal for most of us, right? Scientists and some of us are learning this have come to recognize that tiredness shows up in our inability to sleep well. It shows up in our bodies when our hormones are out of whack because we live in an on-demand, always-on culture with instant notifications on our mobile devices. We sleep with them right beside our heads, and even if we have our notifications silenced, in the middle of the night, there's a little light that shows up on the ceiling. You know that something showed up on your phone. We're exhausted with trying to forge and defend our identities in the world. We're exhausted because we don't know how to live in healthy and meaningful community. But legalism of productivity isn't just about the work that we're tempted to do. Kurt Thompson, one of our uh, elders here, was recently interviewed by Tish Harrison Warren in in a New York Times article about burnout. But in that article, Kurt says that burnout isn't actually a thing. I mean, it is a thing, but it's not the main thing. Burnout is a symptom. It's a symptom of loneliness and isolation. You see, the problem of chronic exhaustion isn't just an emotional problem. It's not just a scheduling problem. It's not even a medical problem, even though all those things are uh, related to it. Because at its core, what scripture says is, at its core, exhaustion is a spiritual problem. We're unable to be God's people of love when we are exhausted. And when we're exhausted, we can become angry at God for not providing the things that we think God should provide for us based on the work that we've done for God and for others. And when we're frazzled and exhausted, we have limited resources to be patient and kind and generous towards the people around us. We live in anxiety and restlessness all the time. That's why Sabbath is a command and not a suggestion. Sabbath is a way that God helps us protect us from ourselves. Sabbath seeks to protect the contro- us from the control we seek to hold on to for our success and for our productivity. Sabbath protects us from the belief that we get an abundant and a happy life with our own gumption and dogged determination. The command to Sabbath is the command to drink from living waters, to breathe fresh mountain air, to bask and sit in the sun, the warmth of the sun that God has provided to all of creation. See, that's what our souls long for, but our twisted selves believe all of that's possible to grasp ourselves by our sheer willpower and determination. You know, all humans desire Sabbath, whether you recognize God or not. It shows up when we look to our clocks for the next coffee break. It shows up when we uh, say TGIF, looking forward to the end of the week. It shows up when we're planning for our next vacation. It shows up when we say, coming back from our vacation, I need a vacation for my vacation when I return from my vacation. Spiritual writer Martha Dawn calls this longing in every single human as a Sabbath spirituality. A Sabbath spirituality is this life where we are at peace with God and we live with joy and in restfulness. You know, to stop and enjoy the Sabbath is like this choice of breathing fresh mountain air on a cool day or inhaling a cloud of dark oily diesel exhaust fumes dan allender author of a great companion book if you're looking for something to read along with the series it's entitled sabbath he comments like this saying every time we turn from god we inhale the dark fumes of diesel fuel every time we turn from god we inhale the dark fumes of diesel fuel sabbath is fresh air for us god's commandments we often think of them as prohibitions and what God would prohibit us from doing a lot of things, but they prevent us from sucking diesel fumes so we can be oriented towards the delicious fresh air that God provides to us. Us. Sabbath is the healthiest air that we can breathe for life. You know, if our end goal is to become a person of love in God, we can't do it when we're chronically exhausted. So what practice do we have from the way of Jesus that helps us reorient ourselves from exhaustion to a life of abundance it's sabbath that's what god offers to us you know i mentioned a few moments ago about this common saying it's a common saying right tgif thank god it's friday or thank goodness if it's, it's friday it was more popular when the five-day work week was more of a thing right you remember those days where you would wake up commute to the office monday to friday you'd actually leave your house Monday sucked because it was the first day after the weekend. Tuesday sucked because of the day after Monday. Wednesday sucked because it was right bang between two weekends. Thursday sucked because it wasn't quite Friday. And then Friday, oh, thank God it's Friday. The weekend is here. That's how I think most of us maybe subconsciously approach the week. Friday, for most people, is the signal of this longing for Sabbath. Friday was this de facto reset button. But in the creation account in genesis chapter 2 we find that god demonstrated a natural reset button by stopping on the seventh day this eventually became to be known as the sabbath listen god sabbath god the limitless all-powerful infinite being in the universe took sabbath setting for us a rhythm of rest and reset in God's own character in the seven-day week. Sabbath has been called a sanctuary in time, a sanctu- not a sanctuary of time, a sanctuary in time. It's distinct from all the other days, Other than not just because of its name. It starts and then it ends. Sabbath isn't just an event that happens in time. It actually redefines the nature of time and how we are to live in relationship to time, especially for the other six days. You see, for the other six days, we are at the mercy of time's movement. But on Sabbath, we are saying, we're going to take a sanctuary in time. You see, we can't discover how to do time and live differently in relationship to time until we take a step back to observe how we actually live in relation to it right now. And that's what Sabbath provides an opportunity for, to step back and look back to the previous week and say, how did I relate to time in this previous week? And how might that inform how I live differently in relationship to time and schedule in the coming week? Sabbath is an opportunity to reset Our relationship with time. Why do we need this? Well, uh, statistics come out saying that more than half of white-collar or professional workers work more than 40 hours a week. Most work on weekends. More than one-third of people don't take more than seven days of vacation in a year. Only 14% take vacations for more than two weeks in a year. And now with the ubiquitousness of remote work, it's so easy to check our emails, to hop on Zoom calls, to respond to meeting notifications, all while we're on vacation. But Sabbath means stop. On vacation, I actually disconnect my work emails from my phone and my computer, so I can't even see them. And on my Sabbath day, which is usually Friday to Friday, I don't respond to any work emails. Now, we often approach time like a machine where the clock rules. We think that time is money. That's what we're told, right? We we waste time, we spend time, we lose time. We internalize axioms like business guru Peter Drucker who says, plans are only good intentions until they degenerate into hard work immediately. That's what we strive for. Don't waste time. That's what he's saying. Have a 10-year plan, 5-year plan, uh, 2-year plan, 5-year plan, 10-year plan for your career growth. Don't waste time. Start your retirement savings early. If you invest, you hear the saying, time in the market is better than timing the market. What's it saying? Don't waste time. You either sacrifice your career or you sacrifice family. If you, you have to pick between the two, don't waste time. All these cultural expectations treat time as a machine, but Sabbath upsets that thinking. Instead, time is meant to be honored, time is meant to be enjoyed, and Sabbath helps us remember that when we stop. Sabbath is this weekly marker for our relationship with time. Sabbath is holy, that's what holy means to be set apart, to be distinct. Sabbath is holy in the sense that it is indeed meant to be set apart and distinct from all the other days of the week, where our calendar appointments drive our day, and where our chores and our shopping and our hobbies and our children's activities drive our evenings and our weekends. Sabbath is meant to be an oasis in the week, where we stop. doesn't mean we stop taking care of our children. doesn't mean we stop talking to our partners and loved ones. But on sabbath, we stop from the temptation for to fit more in for fear of losing the opportunity, for fear of wasting time. Sabbath is the reset button for the past and for the future week to come. On sabbath, it also serves as another bridge. It serves as a bridge to mirror the bridge of two great events in history. The creation of God in the past and the recreation of the new heavens and the new earth in the life to come. Sabbath is the remembering and reset saying, these are the two most important things that are happening in the history of humanity. On Sabbath, we stop to reset, and on Sabbath, we stop to remember. In Exodus 20, verse eight, the command in the 10 commandments is remember the Sabbath. That's the, the command. But here's the thing, it's not just remembering to do the Sabbath. That's of course important. But this is an invitation to practice remembering on the Sabbath. What are we to remember on the Sabbath? Well, we're to remember that God is the creator, and we're not. We live in God's world, and it's good. We remember that there's a rhythm to creation. We remember also that we don't stop when we're finished with our work, because we'll never be finished with our work. It's never enough. We stop. We stop when the rhythm of God built into our bodies says to stop on Sabbath. We remember also that our value isn't based on who we think we are or what people think we are, who we are or based on how productive we are. Our value, who we are, is who we are deeply loved by. Who we are is who we are deeply loved by. That's what Sabbath helps us to remember, create space for that. We also remember that life with God and in this world is not a right for us. It's a gift. We're not entitled to everything that this world offers. It's simply offered to us as a gift. We also remember that life, yes, it's full of evil, it's full of injustice, but it's also full of goodness and beauty and truth. These are the things that we're invited to remember on Sabbath. Sabbath. And lastly we remember that we owe god everything that we have there's nothing that we have that is ours for ourselves to keep here's the thing remembering the sabbath is a day but also a spirit you see sabbath is not just a day but it's a way of being in the world sabbath is a day and a spirit by which we move about in the world the practice of sabbath is a day of rest by which we cultivate restfulness in all of life. The Sabbath practice helps us move from a life of restlessness and anxiety to a life of restfulness, so that we can move from being people of hurry to being a people of peace, to being a people of busyness, to being a people of margin, to being a people of burnout, to a people of being of sustainability from noise to quiet from distraction to clarity from isolation to solitude from crowds to community from grasping to gratitude from anxiety to yielded trust in god that's what the opportunity to do on sabbath uh, to remember on sabbath to stop on the sabbath helps us remember how little control we actually have in life we stop to think we think that if we stop working the world's going to come crashing down bills won't get paid children won't get out to be as as successful or healthy as we think that they should be stop stop doing and worrying about your work and your emails put it another way how many people start the week by listing all the ways that they're going to break God's commandments. <laughs> and on Sunday night, think about the week ahead. It's like, you know what? I'm going to st- I got a lot of lies to tell to people this week. I'm going to steal some more stuff from my work and my friends. These are the ways that I'm going to be idolatrous and not trust God this week. But how often do we say on Sunday night, for most of us, that's the beginning of our thinking about the week to come. And we say, oh, man, it's going to be a crazy week. I have to travel to three cities. I've got a week full of meetings. I just got back vacation, and my inbox is 500 unread emails. Oh, my goodness, I'm not looking forward to that. But that's what we often do. We're violating the idea of Sabbath because we're beholden to the idea, uh, to this idea of productivity and busyness. Boasting about our work is nas- a national pastime. It's not baseball or football it's about talking about how busy we are we're caught up in the restlessness and we don't even realize it but sabbath is the antidote to it some of us don't want to acknowledge it Dan Ellender once again says this we are proud that we shoulder such immense responsibility and push our plow with the pride of aristocracy Sabbath yanks us off our high horse, and for that reason alone, few wish to dismount. Few wish to dismount. We, when we stop to remember, we remember playing and feasting, what those things are like and how we find joy in those things. When we stop and remember, when we stop, we do things together with others that give us joy. Joy and help us to laugh together. We eat together with others on Sabbath. And if you're not in the same town as your friends and loved ones, use Sabbath as an opportunity to remember to call them and have a conversation with them. When we stop to remember, we stop to practice childlike curiosity about the world. We stop to enjoy coziness. But as important, but hear this as important as the practice of Sabbath is, Sabbath is a means to an end. The end is not for you to be rested and happy. That happens, though. The end is not for you to chill out and zone out, which is what Evan always thinks Sabbath is. I just don't want to do it. I just want to chill out and zone out. When we stop on Sabbath, we may do all those things, but they are never the point of Sabbath. Sabbath's end is to participate in the love and the life of God himself. That's the point of Sabbath, to center our lives around God, to live more deeply with God, to center God for the entire week. That's the point of Sabbath. Walter Brueggemann, the Old Testament scholar, says this, people who Sabbath live all seven days differently. People who Sabbath live all seven days differently. Sabbath is what be- ends one week and begins the next week. It sets the expectations for the coming week, Sabbath is God's command, not just a suggestion. And on Sabbath, we stop to reset, and we stop to remember, so that we can live in God's love and become God's people of love to the world. Let me share with you, and by sharing uh, a simple chorus, it's written by uh, from God's voice, that has been an, a reminder to me of God's invitation to us. I heard it at a conference like many years ago decades ago and this song has become an anchor to help me get through those tough times and to remember what's most important as an invitation from god to rest in god's presence so i'll share it with you in here and just you can listen to it and uh sing along if you'd like the lyrics will be up on the screen
2: And know that I am God Let me come and do all I want to do Let go, be weak, give in, give up And I will do something new That's a verse Rejoice in my presence Relax in my love, lay aside your agenda and receive from above. Quiet yourself and remain here a while and I will do something new. We'll
1: sing it again. If you'd like to join in, you can sing it or just sit and listen. Be still
2: and know that I am God. Let me come and do all I want to do. Let go, be weak, give in, give up, and I will do something new. Rejoice in my presence, relax in my love. Lay aside your agenda and receive from above. Quiet yourself and remain here a while and I will do something
0: new. Rejoice.
2: Presence, Relax in my love Lay aside your agenda And receive from above Quiet yourself And remain here a while And I will do Something new And I will do Something new